0: Hi, I'm Ryan Miner. I'm the host of a Minor Detail podcast where it's all about Maryland. We have a no-holds-barred conversation featuring Maryland newsmakers and newsbreakers, journalists, reporters, politicos, politicians, policy wonks, prognosticators, political activists, organizers, community leaders, and so many more. Whew, man, that's a lot of peas. Here on A Minor Detail Podcast, we get to the bottom of every story. We talk about news and politics in an open and honest format. And we find the minor details because every detail matters. You can follow us on the web at aminordetailpodcast.com and aminordetail.com for the latest Maryland news and politics. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to a Minor Detail podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Miner. On Tuesday, a report was released by the Baltimore-based Sage Policy Group that paints a bleak economic picture for my home county here in Montgomery County, and it called for a number of policy prescriptions to remedy what the report claims as slow economic growth lower revenues, and budget shortfalls. And this morning, we're going to talk with two people who were involved in, in, with commissioning this study by the SAGE Policy Group. So we're going to be talking to our, uh, some folks from Empower Montgomery, and I believe they're on the line now. So I'm going to first introduce Steve Silverman, former Montgomery County Councilman. Hey, Steve, how are you?
1: Great, Ryan. Thanks for uh, having us on the program.
0: Yeah, you bet, of course. And I'm also going to introduce uh, Charlie Nelson, who is the wa- – Charlie, you know what? I'll just let you tell your own title. <laughs> you with us, Charlie? Okay, Charlie's still hanging out, but he'll be on. There he is. Okay. Hey, Charlie, how are you?
2: Uh, I'm good. Am I on?
0: Yes, sir, you are on, and I was just introducing you, and I said, why don't you go ahead and, and tell everybody what your title is and how you're involved in uh, Empower Montgomery.
2: Okay, my title is President of Washington Property Company. I'm the the owner and the founder of a local uh, family-owned real estate uh, business. And uh, with Steve and several other concerned business uh, associates, uh, we co-formed uh, Empower Montgomery, a uh, As about four years ago.
0: Okay, let's get into the crux of what Empower Montgomery County is. So I live in Montgomery County. Um, I'm going to stay here for the foreseeable future. It's a great place to live, but there are some issues that we as a community need to tackle, and I see that your organization that you founded, as you said, four years ago, you wanted to do something unique, and on EmpowerMontgomery.com, you have a – who we are page so steve and charlie and steve first tell us a little bit about what you hope to accomplish by forming this organization and some of the key policy areas where you provide insight into
1: i think what we're trying to do is to uh, have as extensive an outreach um, to voters as possible to get them engaged uh there's a lot of focus every four years on the election process and who votes and who doesn't vote. But there are hundreds of thousands of of, uh, Montgomery County residents who are stuck in traffic, whose kids are in overcrowded schools, uh, who are struggling to pay for uh, college and to run their small businesses. And we want to make sure that we're reaching those folks to get them engaged in the process. And on the substantive side, and that's what Uh, we've done with the two SAGE reports so far is to start the conversation about substantive issues and perhaps a different way uh, of looking at our budgeting process and our uh, need to grow the tax base to pay for programs and services that have made it a great county.
0: Charlie, it's a new and dynamic organization. It's formed to create positive political conditions in Montgomery County, According to the website, tell us a little bit more about the values of the organization and some of the advocacy that you and the board and other advocates involved with Empower Montgomery have done over the last four years. And I also want you to talk about how you um, were involved in the past elections in 2018. Boy,
2: you want you want me to go through all? That? We'll yeah, take point by point. You know, the values of the organization are that we're, we are uh, local businessmen and women uh, who have invested in the Montgomery County community over time. We have our families here. Uh, we grow our businesses here. And our, our values are very similar to what we would expect uh, the values for most of the uh, uh, population of Montgomery County, and that's just to have a good balance of, of business growth and population growth a balance of taxes uh, to help pay for schools. We want quality schools, but and quality infrastructure and transportation uh, infrastructure, and and we've felt that um, you know those items need input from the voting uh, uh, community. And this organization was set up to create an outreach uh, on these issues, to frame the issues, and to get in touch with the uh, uh, the the voting public and to get them aware and, and have them st- support uh, these issues along with us.
0: Mm-hmm. And so in the past elections, I know that um, you took a stance, or at least you talked about candidates who were favorable to some of the policies and and work that you were trying to accomplish. So what what was your involvement in the twenty eighteen county council and other uh, the executive race as well
2: right well uh, uh, empower montgomery is is a uh, is an advocacy policy group, so we really don't support individual politicians but we did uh, very actively engage in interviews of all the candidates to discuss uh, a whole host of issues and to get their answers on them, and then rated them uh, in reference to our values and, uh, you know, that with a balance of growth. We we do feel uh, the need to have a voice on this because we do feel the political community has not uh, – paid attention to some of the uh, uh, the aspects of uh, of Montgomery County and its tax base that it needs to so uh, you know we were very much engaged it's not in individual support of individuals but it was in support of the conversation uh, of with the business community and in having a healthy uh, uh, approach to that
0: let's uh, I want to go back to The elections, and then we'll get into the the recent report that was released um, and produced by Sage Policy Group. But this is a question to both of you: Were you satisfied with the election results in 2018? Did we elect the right candidates who would inspire the business community, or at least build a, a relationship, and that would help grow our economy? What about you, Steve? What do you think?
1: Well, I think that uh, there's a good balance on the new council with the four new council members joining five incumbents. I think we're very um, optimistic, and I know we'll get into the report. But that's one of the reasons why we wanted to put something on the table as soon as possible, right after the uh, the council starts starts work. Uh, you know, this month, everybody on the council has been talking about the need to grow the tax base to support economic development, to grow small businesses, to pay for programs and services. The, you know Mark Elrich, the newly elected county executive, is saying the same thing. The issue is, um, are those ten people, the nine council members of the new county executive, going to take seriously um, some of the ideas that we put on the table and have that conversation? At the end of the day, if people are serious about growing the tax base and not going through annual savings plans or budget cuts, then they're going to have to recognize uh, that Montgomery County has got some challenges and they've got to handle them uh, head on. And we're optimistic about the council. We're optimistic about what the county executive has been saying. Uh, the details are going to be critical and the proofs going to be in whether uh, anybody picks up uh, uh, on these issues, and actually put some uh, concrete proposals on the table
0: yeah um, and and Charlie and back in the primary on june twenty six the the county count, uh, the county executive race it was undecided for uh, a little bit of time, and it came down to what about seventy seven votes between a newcomer, David Blair, and someone who 's been around county politics, Mark Elrich. For quite some time. Ultimately, Mark Elridge, uh, uh, he was successful in the primary. And then in the summer of last year, Nancy Florine, she uh, was a current council member at the time and she was term limited. She was on her way out and she said, well, I'm going to run for county executive as an independent. So that obviously didn't work out for Nancy's benefit. But many of the business community uh, resolved to instead support Nancy's campaign for county executives because they thought that she would be more appropriate in the role to support businesses, to inspire and encourage economic growth over that of Mark Elridge, and the Washington Post certainly took its position out as well. So um, did Empower Montgomery um, have any, uh, I I guess, interaction with the flooring campaign throughout the general election?
2: Um, you know, Empower's uh, role within both the primary and the, uh, the general election is really educational to the voter base. Uh, we did produce the first SAGE report and had a, uh, uh, a debate amongst the county executive uh, 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 people in the race, and that was very informative Um, You know, so in terms of the election, we're much more an educational um, uh, community that is putting out things for everybody else to make their own decision. Uh, I would say, you know, that the business community did get behind Nancy. Uh, They, uh, you know, Mark has had a, I guess, a, a thin relationship with the business community as a council member, but uh, he's also taken on a new job uh, as county executive. It is a different job than being a council member, and I think he's uh, absorbing and, and changing into that role. And from what he has said, uh, I think he's got some real uh, interests that coincide with the business community.
1: Yeah. yeah. Let me just pick up on that, Ryan, and yes, just Steve, say please. that. During the uh, primary season, we put out uh, a scorecard. We had a questionnaire based on uh, a couple dozen issues. We interviewed um, as many of the candidates for exec and counsel that responded to the questionnaire. Uh, And we put out a scorecard just the same way Action Committee for Transit puts out a a scorecard every election cycle on uh, what the positions of the candidates are uh, on different transportation issues. Uh, We think that had an impact because it was a a separate uh, document based on uh, very detailed questions. Uh, We think it had an impact in terms of the the primary election. We did not do that um, in the general. There was only one race, which was the county executive race, realistically, and people went off in different uh, directions, but Empower did not focus in the general on that. What Empower focused on is to get this second SAGE report out to lay the table for a conversation about some really important issues that, frankly, uh, for the past several years, um, elected officials have not wanted to talk about. Um, we, the county put a lot of eggs in the Amazon basket. It sucked all the air out of the room. Uh, it didn't allow for an opportunity to have uh, a, a robust discussion about what can be done uh, on a day-in, day-out basis to make Montgomery County a better place for small businesses to grow and for uh, folks to uh, to put a shovel in the ground for new projects. And we hope now that Amazon's made its decision. Now that we got a new council and new county executive that that debate can start to take place in earnest we we have to have a sense of urgency about this and that's what we're trying to do
0: well the report is certainly a call to action Uh, you you released this report on tuesday and you sent out a press release and many of the local media here in the state at as well as montgomery county um and the post and several other media outlets received the same same report i read it through and through and some of the points um are are very serious and it is like you said it is a sense of urgency and so the 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 name of your press release was warning signs montgomery county quality of life in jeopardy and uh, the report says that the county has lower revenues slower growth affecting education affecting spending rather on education transportation health and public safety and we have low private job growth the ballooning of county government salaries and expensive liquor business have contributed to the to the county's financial malaise according to the report and then you go on and you talk about that the report of course was um, conducted by the Baltimore uh, based Sage Policy Group um, and the economist um Anand Basu was uh, he produced this so let's get into the crux of the report and uh, some of the policy prescriptions so um charlie i'm um, I'm interested to learn when you were conducting this report what was the process for gathering the data and the the intelligence how did how did you uh how did you go out and find this information
2: <laughs> We hired sage <laughs> yeah well obviously and and you know the first report brought up an interesting uh, uh Item that we had really kind of caught us off guard, and that was the lack of, of private business formation in Montgomery County compared to the neighboring jurisdictions over the past 10 years. So, the reason for the second report was to you know, do a deep dive and to say, you know, if, if the last 10 years we've had very, very, very marginal um, new business formation. What happens because of that, and you you know we got into you know the tax base being flat, more burden being placed on the residents, schools uh not being built, roads not being built, areas going into moratorium, and you know what we're what the whole report really wants to focus on is what we've been doing the last ten years has not been working we need to pull this out we need to talk about it and we need to take very serious and quick strategic steps
0: to change the trajectory where we're going steve you're on the council you knew that these these issues were creeping up let's start from what happened to get us where we are today some of the policies in place in the county that have led to the findings of this report, including we know that we have a transportation problem. We know that we have an infrastructure problem. We know that 70 is preventing a free-flowing traffic system that the greater metro D.C. area obviously is impacted by severely. And we know that businesses often will gripe in Montgomery County. Look, I work for a small business. I, I know these struggles. That it's it's not always easy to do business, and why not just pick up and go over to Fairfax County in Virginia, or move to Delaware, or go up to Pennsylvania? It's not that far away. It really isn't. So we have several of these issues also with with development, as well as our education system. And so, Steve, how did we get here? How did we come to this economic, I don't want to call it a crisis, but we're... we're we're, we're at a point where we have to have some action. Otherwise, Montgomery County is going to remain stagnant, according to the findings of the report. How do we get here, Steve?
1: I think we got here because we've been arrogant. Montgomery County has always perceived itself as the economic engine of the state, which is correct, but completely is misleading because the competition for Montgomery County for job growth, respectfully, is not with. Baltimore City Prince George's Frederick the competition is regional the competition is DC and across the river and when you have a competitive environment it doesn't matter whether you're talking about running county government or you're producing a product or you got a sports team Um, you've got to look at the competition you got to figure out where their advantages are and what you can do to offset it I was on the council for eight years I ran economic development for the county for five and a half years. When I was on panels with Jerry Gordon, who ran economic development for Fairfax County, uh, he would always comment on on two things. One of them was uh, that there was a governor and a board of supervisors that was very uh, sort of pro-business and wanted to figure out what it could do to continue to grow the economy. And that was because the second point he would make is they have no local income tax in, in Virginia. So right away, if you're somebody who wants to start or grow a small business, whatever that small business is, you've got to sit there and realize that in Montgomery County, you've got a 3.2% disadvantage to Fairfax because that's what the local income tax is. So when you're hiring people, you have to recognize the fact that you're probably going to end up having to compensate them at a higher level, and we've really not chosen to address that fundamental problem. Uh and and that's part of what we want to put on the table is is the recognition um that we have not talked about those issues and said, all right, what can we do to level the playing field? And continuing to tout how great a place Montgomery County is to do business because we got a biotech hub, we got federal agencies, et cetera, et cetera, is great except that's exactly what Fairfax does and what Arlington does and what Alexandria does. So we're just not recognizing the problem. My, my good friend Ike like it, always, has always said in order to solve a problem, you've got to recognize you have one. And I think that respectfully that's not something that uh, the county has been prepared to look at. Uh, and frankly, um, one of the reasons why empower exists is to be an advocacy group and to to stir the pot, to put issues on the table and ask that they be discussed. At the end of the day, county executive and county council are going to make decisions, but if they don't talk about things like uh, what is it going to take to create more small business opportunities, why are we going down a path to have a quarter of the county in building moratorium, um, what, what's the salary structure, should we have a high reserve? If the council and exec aren't willing to take on those issues, then they're just keeping their head in the sand.
0: Charlie, you know about real estate. You understand a, a lot about development. This is your career um, as someone who has been involved in this industry for quite some time, and part of the report talks about development and real estate and some of the sub points that the report discusses is that real estate reality it hits home bethesda's commercial real estate market is carrying montgomery county suggesting that when bethesda's development taps out the rockville marketplace will be next in line but school capacity limits there could stall the next growth let's talk about real estate let's talk about development what does this report discuss and what is its findings about some of the moves the county should make um in terms of development. Charlie?
2: Yeah, well um you're exactly right that we have uh been able to point to a lot of successes but those successes are uh geographically in one sub market and it's called Bethesda Chevy Chase. And if you were to broaden your view and look at the rest of the county, the rest of the county has been almost anemic in terms of its uh development uh activity when you look at white flint mall what was a, a tax paying uh mall is now you know a, a demolition buildings with parking lots uh and so in order to grow the tax base we have, you know, we don't need to focus on Bethesda. We need to focus on the areas that haven't been able to generate that. We need to give people uh, reasons to move there, and uh, it's a combination of, of a lot of things. But it's it, a lot of it's just effort. And you need to uh, address White Flint, and we need to make special provisions for areas that have already been rezoned and had new sector plans addressing growth. And now we need to create the growth, and if uh, uh, the same in, in uh, White Oak. Uh, The the sector plan had been changed in White Oak to uh, add, you know, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's 20 million square feet of commercial space, but it's been five years and nothing's been built. And you're not going to increase your tax base. You're not going to bring employers into uh, Montgomery County uh, until you create incentives for them to be there. And that's a, a large part of this report is let's look at the 80% of the county that's not doing very well. We don't need to focus on that, or the 90% of the county, the 10% Bethesda Chevy Chase that is doing well. And let's get prepared and and be able to make substantive policy changes in decisions to create incentives to get people into White Oak and to get people into White Flint and, and, and beyond. I mean, Gaithersburg, uh, uh, Rock Spring, uh, you know Rockville, the 270 quarter, uh, they, they they're all in need of, of of help.
0: One of the points that we talk about, or that we discovered in this report, is that if you curb development and you curb school construction, that is an age-old discussion in Montgomery County. That's part of what we heard in this past election. We had significant pushback from certain constituencies in montgomery county about the question over development is is montgomery county developing too much are we developing too little or are we at the same pace and then along comes school construction costs so what about the the moratoriums on development The, the the tax revenues that could be produced from that is that something that the county council and executive need to pay close attention to charlie
2: uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's almost, uh, you know, we are in the longest economic expansion since World War II, and we're not able, in, in the wealthiest county in Maryland, we're not able to build schools uh, for our students, and we're going into a moratorium in areas, some of which have been designated as opportunity zones or enterprise zones. So the, the thought process of of, of putting development stops on enterpre- uh, areas that have been state or nationally recognized as economically distressed areas is, is, is startling. It's a startling fact. Uh, we should be able to build our schools. We should be able to accommodate. We've had an eight-year economic expansion, and uh, the, the, the politicians need to figure out how we don't slap you know, the, the word moratorium on areas that are in grave need of, of uh, you know, of, of development and of, of growth.
1: Some of council. Go that. ahead,
0: Steve. If I can yep. just
1: pick up on that, Ryan. Look, you can't have a county where a quarter of the county is in moratorium because the executive and council haven't been able to figure out how to build an elementary school. And that's exactly what's happening. The projections for July 1, if this council uh, and executive do not figure out a way to to fund schools, is that you will have six, possibly seven high school clusters uh, create moratoriums. So what does that mean? It basically means that if you want to do a new project in downtown Silver Spring or in White Flint and you haven't already been approved, you can't get approved. Uh, you've got uh, Westfield, uh, which owns Montgomery Mall, which is ready to go on a revamped Montgomery Mall with six or 700 housing units, um, which are not, by the way, going to produce a lot of school kids. Uh, and the reality is they're stuck because the WJ cluster is at risk of going into moratorium July 1 unless there's a solution. And for a county that has elected officials talking about how it's important to grow the economy, produce revenues, you can't sit there and say huge swaths of the county are going to be shut down. Rockville, parts of Gaithersburg, Silver Spring, White Flint, you can't do that. There's a solution out there. People just have to roll up their sleeves and look at all of the options on the table, and that's part of what Sage was recommending.
0: Another portion of the report, Charlie and Steve, (laughs) talked about the ballooning costs of Montgomery County's government salaries. In fact, so much so, there's certain members who work for county government that are making more than budget secretaries at the state. I believe it was Rich Manolino, who I think most of us would agree that he's qualified for the job, somebody who's been in state government for quite some time. But people raised an eyebrow at the amount of money that he's being paid it, it's, it seems astronomical almost and let's talk about the cost the cost of government um charlie is it are, are we paying our, our our government um our montgomery county workers um our, our, but our secretaries and staff members are they are they being paid in comparison to surrounding counties or is it just simply too much money
2: Well, I mean, that was one of the aspects of this report that was uh, uh, startling and that, you know, we, we do need to, as a county, do peer review with other counties and other jurisdictions in reference to salaries and positions. And when we got through with this report and realized that in four years, we were over double increasing salaries for our government employees than Fairfax, our neighboring jurisdiction. That's just cause for for you know for thought and to say how is this happening and why is it happening? And candidly, you know, you can't survive doing that, and you need to have constraints on costs. I, I do know that the new county executive is is very attuned to it, and uh, hopefully we will get some other peer uh, data uh, with other neighboring jurisdictions and, and start to rein all this in.
1: Let me also say, Ryan, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Let me also say the, a conversation about department head salaries misses the point respectfully to everybody who talks about what, what the director of, you know, the recreation is being paid. The reality is every year, every couple years, the county executive and the county council negotiate and approve a contract. And if they approve the contract with 5% increases versus 4 or 3% increases, then that is a huge amount of money because you're not talking about 25, you know, department uh, heads. What you're talking about are nearly 10,000 employees. And that's really what the report is highlighting is, Do we think that we have an impediment to recruiting and retaining employees if we even just matched what Fairfax County was doing? And I think Charlie's right. We should be benchmarking these jurisdictions, and we ought to see where there's a key. If we've got a shortage of cops or firefighters, then maybe we make adjustments in those contracts. But the idea that we're no longer in the Great Recession and so everybody gets a 5% pay increase when that's not happening elsewhere, much less the private sector, it you know contributes to the cost, the ballooning cost of government, and takes away resources that could be used elsewhere. Same with same with reserves. County has not had a discussion about its reserve policy in pro- serious discussion in probably at least eight years. Uh, we started down this path to ten percent reserves. The Sage report is very clear. There's a whole bunch of jurisdictions in the region that have AAA A bond ratings that aren't even close to what our target is. And if you just simply set a lower target for reserves, there's no reason to believe we wouldn't keep our AAA A bond rating and we could create tens of millions of dollars of money that could go into school construction. That's a conversation the executive council have to have.
0: Let's talk about, the liquor control that was a big issue during the last election, and quite frankly, even at the state level, comptroller Peter Franchot, who is notably waging um, a a craft beer resurgence, um, it, making it easier for local craft breweries to do business in the state of Maryland, into lifting what he believes is some of bur- burdensome regulations. It, last year, he did a reform on tap bill. And then here in Montgomery County, I find it frustrating that the Montgomery that Montgomery County is in charge of liquor control, and it just seems like it's an unfeasible unfeasible to continue this path. Whereas many county many county residents and even some members of the council are calling for disbanding this. Um, it seems like almost a medieval type of. Uh, uh, oversight into, into county liquor. Why can't we just go to a grocery store and buy a damn bottle of wine, Charlie? What do you think?
2: Well, I mean, yeah, you know, our our uh, position on this is is very clear. This is an antiquated, uh, depressing, economically depressing um, monopoly on liquor. I'll give you kind of two examples. My father worked at the Nuclear Regulatory Commission when I was in high school. He's in downtown Silver Spring, and so this was 50 years ago, and he bought all of his liquor from Morris Miller in the district, and he'd go, you buy the liquor in the district because it's cheaper, and you dial back 50 years later, and his son does the same thing, and that's a consumer pattern that we have created in Montgomery County that we need to stop. Uh, The second... Uh, example I'm going to give you is that uh, there was a new giant built in Cathedral Commons in, in, uh, in the district, and you walk into that giant, and there's a kiosk, and the kiosk allows you to test craft beers and wine before you go buy it. That is the world today, and why Montgomery County wants to stay in the dark ages, is is, is beyond everybody. Everybody has talked about that it's the revenues, but it's $30 million in a $5.5 billion budget, and uh, it's not really a very good excuse.
0: Steve, the Maryland Comptroller's Bureau of Revenue estimates that the impact of removing Montgomery County's monopolistic restrictions and concluded that doing so would result in an estimated $193.7 193.7 million in new economic activity in Maryland and the creation of over 1300 jobs generating 52.6 million in additional wages and 22.8 million in state and local taxes and fees but some state officials some county officials they see that the Department of Liquor Control here in Montgomery County is worthy of maintaining its current structure that if we take away the Department of Liquor Control. Then we take away all these great union jobs. What do you What do you say to that?
1: Well, the first thing I would say is is that uh, there are 10,000, uh, you know, county employees, give or take. I think we're talking about maybe 300 jobs um, that uh, that are part of the warehouse structure for the Department of Liquor Control. County's got a long policy of. Uh, When uh, county employees uh, uh, are reorganized out of jobs, there are other job opportunities. So I'm sure there are going to be places in county government, vacancies where folks can go to work. The second piece really is, you know, we're at a point now where if the the analysis that's being done says we're going to create more jobs and more revenues for the county and state, then the question is what's the impediment to getting there, and the impediment is, It's business as usual. This is the way we've always done it. And uh, for those that talk about the revenue side, that's exactly the analysis that should take place. What do we need to do? The council looked at this. The delegation has looked at this. Nobody's pulled the trigger. And we want to reengage that conversation with a new council, new executive, and ten new members of the House of Delegates and a couple new state senators to try to see if we can get this thing over the finish line.
0: Now, how long do you think that it would take to do this, a year, two, three maybe?
1: Well, I, I think, you know, the county executive had a task force on this that didn't really reach any conclusions because these are tough choices because, frankly, I can say this having been there, as an elected official, you want everybody to reach consensus. But guess what? Sometimes there are issues where you can't reach consensus and people have to make decisions, people have to compromise. And I think that's the attitude that folks you know, have to go forward with on this issue and several of the other issues that, that are in the SAGE report. The time for action is now. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves next year and the year after and the year after going back to, to the same drawing board. The county executive was in office a few days and immediately announced, a $44 million savings plan in the middle of the year because of revenue shortfalls. He, he put out a, a capital budget that is flat for the school system, even though I know that he wants to put more money into school construction, and he's already prepping everybody for a very a flat uh, operating budget uh, to be released in mid-March. Um, we're, we're on the cusp right now of, of this, problem, and we've got to take bold action. Uh, Otherwise, we're just going to find ourselves uh, digging a deeper hole for us uh, over the next few years.
0: Charlie, the report talks about doing business and the cost associated here in Montgomery County. Talk about that. What does it cost for a new business to start up? Or on a more general level, Charlie, what about, what is it? You know, do businesses want to relocate here from outside of the state? Are they moving into Rockville or Bethesda or Silver Spring or Tacoma Park, Athersburg en masse? Is it costing more to do business here in Montgomery County than it is in our surrounding jurisdictions?
2: Uh, you know, the, the, I think the, the the major crux of this report was that uh, between the Maryland state income tax and the local tax, uh, Montgomery County local tax, we have a 5.45 percent tax burden compared to our neighboring jurisdiction uh, in Fairfax. Uh, it, and it might it's less than some of the others, but it, it is a burden that we have to acknowledge and then we have to entice people, uh, around that burden. And we've n- failed to do that. Uh, businesses voted with their feet and they just have not been coming to Montgomery County uh, as evidenced by the new business formation that has over the last 10 years been, you know, anemic. I mean, it just has not moved. And that is not always the case. Uh, we had great business formation in the early uh, 2000s. Uh, so we we have kind of turned some people off by not acknowledging and in having a a relationship with the neighboring jurisdictions that we compete against and um the the actual you know physical cost of leasing space is cheaper in montgomery county than it is in district and it is in, in northern virginia the actual cost of some other things are are relatively the same. We just have a major uh, burden when it comes to income taxes. And as our example showed, uh, it it ranks between 40 and 55 percent more expensive uh, than our, our neighboring jurisdictions.
0: One of the solutions to stimulate the county's economic activity, grow its tax base. You talked about um, political power in Annapolis. We have one of the largest, dele- I think maybe the largest delegation uh, in the state um, for representatives. And how do we leverage political power in Annapolis? How do we reach out to our state delegates and senators to encourage them to cultivate a more business friendly environment, especially? Addressing infrastructure issues like the, the the governor's plan I know the governor has a plan for widening two hundred seventy or other infrastructure upgrades, but how do we how do we encourage state legislators and get them on board with this? What do you think, Steve?
1: Well, I think that we should take advantage of opportunities that present themselves and, and school construction is a perfect example. The governor has proposed, in effect, doubling school construction over the next five years. We should, instead of getting into a fight with the governor over, uh, well, is this money that really should go to the operating budget due to the Kerwin Commission, which won't be decided this year? Um, Are there any other options? Instead of getting into that battle, we should embrace the proposal, figure out how we can benefit from it. We, we are not the only jurisdiction in the state that has a school construction problem, but we are one of the few jurisdictions in the state that has essentially got a policy that says if we don't build schools, we shut down huge swaths hmm. of the county. And that's not a policy that makes any sense whatsoever. It doesn't produce revenues. It doesn't build schools. So we should be looking at our delegation and saying how can they work with the governor and with other jurisdictions who have this need so that we actually get resources every year there's a cry about getting more money for school construction from annapolis here's a perfect opportunity because the governor's put something on the table if that isn't the right way to do it they ought to all work together and figure out a way to do it otherwise we are going to continue to be in this uh, mired in this economic uh, uh, quicksand
0: on wednesday i reported some reaction by members of the county council they may not have taken or they may not have had the opportunity to read the report in its entirety but they did react and provided some comments since releasing the port report charlie and steve Uh, What are some of the reactions that you've heard? Have you talked to people inside of county government? Have you talked to people in the business community or just residents of Montgomery County? What has been the reaction to the study?
2: Steve, you've talked to uh, some of the uh, uh, political um, elected officials. Why don't you go with – start with that?
1: Well, people cherry-pick what they want to focus on. There's been a lot of (laughs) comment publicly about the reserve funds which I think is great because there should be a conversation about that, uh, which, again, the, the council has chosen not to have in the past several years. Uh, but but that's, that's an area that should be looked at because you're not talking about cutting salaries. You're talking about reallocating money uh, for a specific need, school construction. Uh, and I think others have talked about, you know, have commented that they didn't realize that things were as stagnant as they have been. And, and it, you know, you've got a new chair of the, the Planning, Housing, and Economic Development Committee, Hans Reamer, who uh, is very interested in doing something about moratoriums. He's very interested in uh, looking at uh, the pipeline of uh, workers. He's got a, a briefing next week on the tech pipeline. Uh, I think there's a huge opportunity with the, uh, the, that committee to tackle some of these issues. And I think he's, uh, he's, he specifically is very interested in, in doing it. Uh, So I think the table is set for a robust conversation about these issues.
0: Hmm. Um, Charlie, there's been criticism leveled at this report. (laughs) Some people in the County are saying, well, this is the same people who pushed certain candidates or Nancy Florine in the prime or in the general election and they are, you know, this the result of the report benefits them. What's your reaction to that?
2: Um, well, you know, I, I, I sit back and I go, it, it, this report and what Empower Montgomery is doing is not about individuals, and it's not about uh, uh, people, you know, trying to benefit themselves. It is strictly a policy and in. We would not be bringing up these issues if they weren't issues. And uh, if we have had tax increases uh, for the past nine times in the past 15 years, uh, we have uh, three quarters of the county in economic zones that are distressed, Uh, we can't build schools, and if these are not problems for everybody. you know then we the status quo is fine, but uh, for the for the people who live here and and understand a balance and in, in trying to achieve what we're all trying to achieve, uh, we do think we have a problem, and we're here to highlight it. Uh, it has nothing to do with you know individual um, benefits. Um, it is a you know it anyway, I'm a longtime resident of Montgomery County. Uh, so are many of the, the families that are part of uh, Empower Montgomery, and it is strictly uh, um, bringing to light discussions that people need to engage in and make sure that we're we're doing the best thing that we can.
1: What's next? I think I'd or, also, I, I, think I'd also ahead, Ryan, I think I'd also add that what we're trying to do to you know use a word that perhaps is overused is to be proactive. Um, One of the criticisms about the business community historically has been that it's reactive, that it responds to a proposal for paid sick leave or minimum wage or property tax increase or recordation tax increase, and they're not putting on the table what it is that they want. And I think that's what we're really trying to do. That's what Empower was really designed to do is to uh, stir the pot and put ideas on the table for there to be a robust discussion about the direction of the county, and, to, to, and, and we, we welcome the debate. If somebody's got a problem with uh, a suggestion by SAGE that perhaps our reserves are overinflated and we ought to use some of that money for school construction, then fine. What's the solution to the school construction problem? It can't be, well, we're not going to touch reserves. We'll see you next year. Uh, that can't be the answer. So we're trying to be proactive. We're trying to engage all sectors uh, of the county uh, in a debate about these issues uh, so that we're not waking up next year and the county executive saying, well, now we got to do a $100 million savings plan. That's really what we're confronting.
0: Hmm wow so we talked about a lot this morning and what's next for um after the report is now released it's out there uh much of the community is reviewing it i'm sure the county council members the county executive's office and i did reach out to the county executive's office for comment however i've not heard back from them um some of the members of the county council did respond to my request for comment you can read that on a minor detail.com. And, uh, I, I always appreciate when members of the council do respond, but again, I haven't heard from the executive's office. I'm hoping to get a statement. I'll keep working on that. So do you plan to, to take this, um, the, the report, um, to the public directly? Are you going to hold any sessions on this? What's, uh, what's the next move here to bring more awareness to the results of this study? What about you, Charlie? What do you think? Uh,
2: well, I mean, the, the the study has been released to the public. I think uh, the the majority of the work now is to sit down with public officials and to have a dialogue, one on one dialogue with the business community as to what aspects of this report um, present challenges and how do we fix the challenges and how do we respond to it. Um, it's it it is all about. The political community creating uh, legislation that deals with these, these it, as Steve says, it has to be discussed and taken action on. And so our our uh, role right now, after this has been released, is to roll up our sleeves and to sit down with the uh, the policymakers and the legislators and, and figure out uh, where we can go to, to start to – Uh, address these
0: uh, concerns well great discussion this morning i appreciate you making some time here on friday morning to to talk about the report and i think we're going to hear uh a lot more about this i know we in the media are 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 definitely interested in covering this and uh sometimes uh, when you, you release articles people uh you know they question well why did he you know what is this report all about, and then you have a, a block of the, the 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 county that are um, anything that that a a seemingly favorable business organization puts out that they there's extreme pushback. but um, i I think that calling these issues to mind, tackling this economic stagnation that is apparently happening based on some of you know, some key indicators. I think that's important. I think we have to talk about this openly and honestly and transparently, so we can grow our our, our business climate here in Montgomery County, make it more affordable to live, and better schools, um, better transportation. I want to get to and from work a lot easier than I do now, even though I live only 15 minutes away from my job. So I'm I'm happy to see that some progress is being made. That we at least understand what, where we are at and how we need to get where we want to go. So. Charlie, Steve, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, having this important discussion. Well, Thank you, appreciate,
2: Ryan. Yeah, appreciate your efforts uh, to dissect uh, all of this data and, and to, um, to talk about it.
0: Yeah, you bet. Well, gentlemen, thanks for, for doing this. I hope you have a great weekend, and uh, we'll do this again soon, and we'll talk more about um, some progress maybe in the next few months, okay? S- super. Great. Thanks. All, thanks. Right. Thanks, gents. Okay. all right. Thanks, Jen. All right. Have Bye. a great week. Alrighty, that was Steve Silverman and Charlie Nolson. We talked about a lot this morning. The report from the SAGE Policy Group, Empower Maryland, of course, commissioned this report, and the SAGE Policy Group out of Baltimore, they conducted the study. And you can find this, um, in, you can check out Empower Montgomery's website. So I think that there is much to consider. I encourage you to read the report yourself and find your own conclusions. Uh, But this morning we wanted to talk about that. So, as always, uh, thank you for listening to the show. My name is Ryan Miner. I am your host and we'll be back again, I'm sure very soon. You can subscribe to a Minor Detail podcast on iTunes, CastBox, Overcast, or any application where you listen to podcasts. Like a Minor Detail podcast on Facebook, and follow the conversation on Twitter at AMD Podcast. If you or someone you know is interested in sponsoring a Minor Detail Podcast, please reach out to me at ryan at com. Thanks so much for listening.